Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's going on? Uh, I'm good, David, but uh, things have definitely been better in uh, Heatland before than right now. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty ugly last night. Uh, we will talk all about that uh, in the second half of the episode. Uh, we, we we will be joined by Ava Wallace from the Washington Post, Wizards beat writer. Um, talked a little, very little bit about uh, the game last night, mostly brought her on to talk about um, Bradley Beal trade rumors and what sort of timeline we've been looking at. Because uh, every everyone in uh, everyone on Heat Twitter is, is desperate for a trade, and I have to think that uh, Pat Riley and Eric Spolster are, are starting to think about what they can change too, uh, because it has gotten really really ugly for the Heat. Uh, they've now lost ten of thirteen, uh, two of three since Jimmy Butler got back from uh, his basically three weeks going through the NBA's health and safety protocols for COVID nineteen. Um, no, I think we were all willing to excuse that eight losses in ten games without him, especially when they came back and he looked really good in game one, and they, they won probably too close of a game, but, you know, still won the first game back with him. Then even after, you know, they lost to Charlotte, I think you could kind of make excuses. Ah, oh, they're, they're disjointed. They'll figure it out. Um, but now we are three games in to the Jimmy Butler return, and the Heat, as I mentioned, have lost two of those three, two in a row, both to, like, two of the – four or five, six worst teams in the league, um, not including the Heat, I guess, at this point. Um, but last night, I think it was kind of consensus. That was rock bottom for Miami. It's hard to think, you know, I guess it could get worse if they lose again Friday to the same Wizards team. But um, I honestly, I can't remember, like, a, yeah, I've been around the team now for two years, even around longer. I mean, I guess they were 11 and 30 one year when you covered them. That was probably pretty dire then, but um, in, you know, my time around this team, it, it's hard to remember it feeling uh, more dire for this team. Yeah, I, I think expectations change things, right? Yeah. Like that 2016-17 year, they had just lost Dwayne. They had kind of signed all these journeymen to one-year deals with Dion and Wayne and and James Johnson and those guys. And, you know, 11-30 was bad. It was tough to cover, honestly, but the expectations weren't high, but this team yeah. just made the finals like four months ago. Um, it's kind of, and Eric Spolster kind of said it after last night's game, it's hard to explain some things. Like, it's just this team looks totally different, and there's 13 players back. Now, granted, you know, a lot of these guys have been in and out of the, in and out of the lineup for the first yeah. month of the season, but right now most of the core is playing. Um, and it just looks like a totally different team. The offense from seventh best last season to like fifth worst in the NBA this season, you know, last night scoring what 35, 36 points against Washington in the second half, which their defense is horrendous. Like, yeah, that's like be, a good quarter against Washington. Yeah, like that, that defense is like historically bad. It, it, it's one of the worst defenses ever, and they shot under 30% in the second half, and they look totally disjointed, and the turnovers and Honestly, they had some open miss. They had some open threes that they just missed. Um, it, it's just so and, and defensively. I mean, we talk. I mean, that that's never. You know, that wasn't a strength of the team yeah, last season either. But they kind of keep talking about the defense, but to me, the offense is like what's more concerning because, as you mentioned, they were a top ten offense last year, and like, yeah, it's not just that they're missing shots right now. Like, they don't, they're not getting the same kind of looks as they were last year, especially in the playoffs when they were like a buzzsaw. 
Yeah, it's just it's a it's a it's it's a too long a list of things that have gone yeah. wrong. Like I, I <laughs> right. like the turnovers. I guess when you're like the shooting, fourth worst team in the league, you got a lot of problems. Yeah, it's like it's really hard to pinpoint because I agree with you in that sense, but up until last night, I was like, I'm not really worried about the offense because yeah. I thought a lot about I thought a lot of the offensive struggles was the fact that Jimmy hasn't played, Goran's missed a lot of time, Tyler's missed you know what seven eight games this season. Um, I, I thought that. It was only a matter of time before that kind of trended in, in more of a positive direction. Defensively was more of kind of what I was worried about. But, man, last night, the offense against that defense, that was, like, shocking to me, kind of watching how, how poorly they played. Yeah. I mean, the, you use the word disjointed, and I think that's, like, the obvious word to use about this team, especially if you want to, like, use the COVID excuse, which, like, is, you know, fair, I guess, to an extent. Like, they shouldn't be this bad, but – you know, the, a big reason they're seven and fourteen rather than have like ten or twelve wins is is because of the the COVID situation and all those. You know, they were gonna they weren't gonna go eight and ten if they were fully healthy in that stretch. But um, you know, it ling- it has lingered. They are disjointed. They are, you know, they they had a couple of possessions last night where like you know I think they had multiple shot clock violations. Like you know, they, they had a couple of possessions last night where they're heaving up desperation threes at the end of the shot clock. They're just not getting good looks at all. Like, I mean, obviously Duncan probably should be shooting better. And, you know, Tyler's missing from three on kind of shots that he was making when he was at his best last year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and you, you saw the Wizards kind of like doing like mini pre- – like their little like kind of token press to just like prevent the Heat from having the full shot clock to run. And, and they can't do anything with it. Like they're – their their best offense right now is basically like Jimmy isolation. Like those have been kind of the only stretches where you felt like um, they were kind of reliably getting good shots. And, you know, that was the case in the finals last year. But again, in the finals, they didn't have Bam and Goron. Like that was all they had to do. The, the reason this team was so good um, in the regular season and through the rest of the bubble was that they – they played beautiful basketball, right? So Duncan and, and Tyler both said, like, they're basically not enjoying each other's success right now. And that doesn't mean, like, they're, like, fighting or whatever. It's just kind of this phrase they've come to use to describe, like, this great ball movement, um, good screening, you know, dribble handoffs that lead to an open corner three for, you know, after Duncan comes off a curl and hits someone, you know, Andre Godala in the corner. Like, they that ball movement, three-point shooting – um, good screening is just it's you know they're they're doing it all but they're not getting the same quality of looks and um it's a little hard to explain why. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna do my best right now to kind of try to explain what's going on, even though it's probably not gonna make any sense to people, and I probably am not explaining it correctly. But uh-huh. I, I I think I think a lot of if I if I had to explain what's going on right now, and it's really like like I said, it's really hard to explain. Um, so much of their success last season was three point shooting, yeah. and 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 that's not only offensively. Defensively, they were like third or fourth best um, three point defense in the league. Which you know a lot of people say that's luck. Like a lot of that is just you know yeah. some some of that you can control, but some of that is just either the the team makes it or they miss it. Um, and as far as the Heat three point shooting, they do have really good shooters, but. I mean, you had Duncan Robinson, who was historically good last year, and Jay, and Jay Crowder, who was pretty much Duncan Robinson for most of his Heat tenure last season. Yeah. Um, it's hard to 
that that creates some variance. You know, I think the fact that you depend so much on a three-point shot, um, that's going to, you know, that's sometimes that's not the, the shots aren't going to go in. You're going to go through a cold streak and you're gonna you're gonna run into some losses. So I, I think that might be a little bit of what's going on. Also, the clutch, you know, the, the Heat won so many cl- close games last season. I think they were eleven and three in clutch games in the playoffs, which was, you know, that's not sustainable. Um, this year, I believe they are, um, they are three and eight in clutch games. So again, like you win a couple more of those clutch games, yeah, you probably still have a losing record, but you look a lot better than you do right now at seven and fourteen. So you know the three point shot, you know losing close games, and the fact that you're just not a, you're just not a top ten defensive team. So right. a lot, a lot of times that's that's kind of the consistent thing you can bank on. That he can't even bank on that. So. The three-point shot's not going in. I think that's a big part of kind of their struggles because they're they're off that. That's kind of such a big part of their offense, um, and it's been pretty inefficient um, so far this season. So I, I would say that's been the biggest swing. Um, that's kind of why they look so different um, than they did a few months ago. Yeah, they had a stretch in the second half last night when they were blowing uh, one of their like many eight point leads or whatever they had. I don't remember exactly what the situation was, but they missed 10 straight shots and eight of them were threes. Um, like there was, you know, they're, they're getting some pretty good looks. Yes. But like, you gotta be able to do more than that, especially when your two best guys are not those shooters. Like I know it, it, you don't want to fall back to like the old LeBron criticism of like, he's got to take over like, cause you know, Bam and Jimmy, part of the reason they're so good is they're such good playmakers for others. But like when the offense is, Failing like that, and you're missing, you know, Kelly Olynyk's missing corner threes, and Duncan's missing those tough, you know, uh, dribble handoff curls that he's usually really good at making. But you know, those are tough shots for for pretty much anyone else. Like when when it's not working like that, you need your your top two guys to take over. And Jimmy's been good, I, I would say, since he came back. You know, the like he had what 30 points in the first game back and was by far the best guy on the floor against Charlotte. He had that those eight straight points in the fourth quarter that probably like should have won the game until they had a, a terrible scoring drought. I think they went more than five minutes without a field goal between the end of regulation and overtime before uh, letting Charlotte win that one. And then, uh, you know, last night, not Jimmy's best. I think he only had 19 points, but still like probably the best guy on the floor, um, at least for the Heat. Like, he's got a, you know, he and Bam, I mean, Bam's getting a lot of heat, too, right now, because we saw what he could do, you know, when he was the one guy, and he was scoring 40 points against Brooklyn. Like, those two guys need to be better. And then, to me, honestly, the biggest issue right now is that Goran just does not look like himself. Like, they're getting killed in those minutes without Bam and Jimmy on the floor the last couple nights. And, you know, that was basically where that lead disappeared last night. Yeah, I, I I also think that even with Bam and Jimmy on the court, they just haven't been good either. No, they're, they they're, they're a minus 31 in their minutes together. And I know that was, you know, that was made into a kind of a discussion point after the game of them playing without Bam and Jimmy in those minutes in the third quarter, I think. I think they they left the game when there was he had a 6-point lead like late in the third quarter. Jimmy came back and he still had a 5-point lead. Yeah. So, I I I, I get it. Like, there really probably shouldn't be any minutes with without those two guys on the court. One of them should always probably be there. But it, it's even it's even when they're on the court. Like, yeah. they were a plus two thirty four last season, 
when they were to, you know when they were playing this year they're a minus thirty one like that says so much like if Bam and Jimmy are gonna finish with a negative plus minus you're screwed yeah th- this is about this is not yeah, no hope yeah, yeah that's, it's over like that says everything right there so um yeah like I, I the offense is the biggest mystery to me but when you look at it how bad they're shooting the three and the fact that they're committing the most turnovers in the league right now and have the highest turnover rate. And they've only finished with more shot attempts than their opponent in four of the 21 games. Um, that kind of shows you right there. Like again, last season, the three point shot made up for so many of those struggles. Like they also struggled with turnovers for portions of last season. And they really didn't average that many shot attempts last season either, but the three point shot and the free throws kind of covered those struggles. Um, but right now, the three-point shot's not going in. Yes, the Heat have been averaging more free throws lately. That's basically why they won the Sacramento game, to be honest, because yeah, Sacramento... Jimmy's presence. Yeah, Sacramento outshot them from three that game, but the Heat, yeah. I think, outscored Sacramento like by 20 points in the free-throw line. So, uh, you know, it's... it's Yeah, it's tough right now. Like, the, the turnovers are a huge deal because it's also affecting the team's defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, you know, obviously creating empty possessions for the Heat. Um, but yeah, again, I, I just go back to that number, the minus 31 with Bam and Jimmy on the court. That is a bad, bad sign. Yeah. Obviously I would expect that to kind of turn a little bit, you would hope. Um, but if that's going to continue to stay in that range, yeah, he won't make the playoffs. Yeah. That's the whole, I mean, like you said, that's kind of the whole story. When this team decided they were going to run it back, the idea, you know, they, they, when they went, made this finals run, you know, Duncan Robinson was playing out of his mind. As you mentioned, Jay Crowder, who's not here right now, but even if he was here, he probably would not look like the Jay Crowder we saw in the playoffs. He was playing out of his mind. Um, you know, Tyler obviously was great at times throughout the playoff run. Um, other times looked like a rookie. The idea was basically, you know, these, you know, basically Tyler Hero was going to take a leap in year two, um, which has not happened. And, you know, basically then kind of these role players who were playing out of their mind would, you know, be good role players. And then Jimmy and Bam. Like, they, they have to be the guys, right? Like, the Heat were an outlier last year when they went to the finals in that they were a team that often could win without their stars being the two best guys. And, you know, there's a reason it's an outlier. That doesn't usually work. Like, teams can adjust to you. Teams can defend you differently. You know, teams can switch heavier and make sure that Duncan's not getting as open on those uh, dribble handoffs. We saw it in the finals last year. Teams are still doing it this year. Um, and when teams do that, basically, Jimmy and Bam have to make opponents pay. And, you know, Jimmy, I think, has done it at times. Like I said, he scored those eight straight. Um, in the Charlotte game to put Miami up 10 with like three minutes left. But then he only takes one shot the rest of the game. And like, I know that you're getting good looks, but at a certain point, like, there's a reason those guys are getting the open looks and not you. Like it's 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 like the laziest take I feel like because it kind of got driven so hard into the ground with LeBron over the years. But like it's true, you know, the supporting cast is good, but it's not delivering right now. And you know, when you're a superstar, you have to be the guy to basically win games. And again, I think Jimmy's been good since he's gotten back. He's you know scoring between, you know, he had, like I said, 30 in the first game, um, you know, in the, I think, mid-20s against uh, Charlotte. But you can't, 
when he's taken over like that, you got to keep shooting. You got to you can't be relying on these threes that are not going in. And and to me, it comes down a lot to Bam in that we know what he can do. We know he can punish guys off the dribble. We've seen it a lot, but we have not seen it in these last couple games. And um, you know, he's your supposed to be your first or second best player, and he has not like played with the assertiveness of that over these last couple games. Yeah, to your point, I think that he had 26 paint points in the first half last night, and they finished with, I think, 38. So they only had 12 in the second half, yeah. which if you're if you're an offense trying to attack the Wizards defense, right, you got to attack the do, paint. They're yeah. playing Davis Bertans. They're playing, yeah. like, they're playing small for the most part, except for when Robin Lopez is out there. Like, you've got to kill those guys inside. Yeah, for, for most times I'd be like, I'm okay with the Heat shooting three just because I think that's a strength of theirs and they have so many good shooters and they need that to open up the paint for Jimmy and Bam. But against the Wizards defense, like, you got to make that – you got to put the emphasis on just getting into the paint because they – I mean, we saw it in the first half. Like, the Heat had so much success just getting in, just getting to the basket. Like, there was not really anything Washington could do. Um, although they did th- play a little zone, I guess, in the second half, which I, mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe – kind of switch things up for the Heat, but still, I, I really think there's probably no excuse for scoring 12 paint points against the Wizards yeah. defense. And again, we know Jimmy can do it. You know, he doesn't want to do it for a whole season. He probably can't do it for a whole season. Same with Bam. We, we know he can do it at stretches. We saw it against Brooklyn. We saw it against Boston in the playoffs last year. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Jimmy's ever explicitly said this, but the reason he likes to, like, kind of be the facilitator is, like, you got to keep everyone happy. Like, he knows... As weird as it is to say, like, he understands how chemistry works. He understands, like, how team cohesion works. Um, he also knows that the best way to build chemistry and, like, have everyone feeling good is to win. And, and sometimes you got to sacrifice those open corner threes that Kelly Olynyk's getting or Avery Bradley's getting for for a tough jumper because you're as good at making that as, as guys like that are from hitting corner threes for the most part. Yeah, no, I, it's. I, I think you know one could definitely make the argument that there wasn't enough Bam and Jimmy in that fourth quarter. You know, fourth, you, yeah, again, yeah. like I said, Bam was good most of the, or Jimmy was good most of the game. Bam still did his thing, like seventeen and whatever, like. But it, but in the fourth quarter, that's like, you don't want. You know, I love Duncan Robinson, I love Tyler Hero, but you don't want them taking the biggest shots of the game when leads are slipping away. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's an argument to be made that they needed to be more aggressive late. Um, There were just so many. Yeah, the guys really, other than Tyler Hero, um, guys really weren't hitting their shots last night. I mean, Kelly was really struggling. And even Tyler, I think, I don't think scored for the last 23 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, really. In the first half, hit a three on, like, their first possession of the second half, and then I don't think scored again. Yeah. It was uh, was one of those games I was watching – um, and I'm just like, there's no way they could lose this game. Like, you just kept waiting for the Heat to, like, score 12 points in a row and kind of yeah. run away, um, and it never happened. Like, the, yeah. the offense never came alive, and the defense was – the defense actually wasn't terrible. Like, No. I mean, the Wizards are a good offense, and they held them to 103 points. Right, and they, they made things tough on Beal. Like, Beal had to make a lot of tough shots late. Like, there was not – there weren't any many easy bus, buckets for Beal in, in that second half. Um, But just the, he couldn't score. Like, if they would have just scored 45 points instead of 35 or 36 in the second half, like, they win by seven. five. <laughs> yeah, seven points. Like, and that 45 points and a half against the Wizards is, like, a really big struggle. So, yeah, right, um, yeah. like, they just needed to be – 
bad on offense to win that game in the second half, but they were really, really bad. So and again, uh, the Charlotte game, like I said, like the offense killed them there. Like they're they're blowing these ten point leads pretty regularly, and and you know I know a lot of it's because of turnovers and defense, but you know it's supposed to be easy to score in the modern NBA. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, 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 I that's, that's the difference there to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree, but I, I, I have to think. I'm not making an excuse for them, but I have to think that the in and outs of the oh, line. Definitely. I mean, like I, I said, they look disjointed. You know, balls getting deflected, and you know, Goran's dribbling the ball off his foot and stuff like that. Like, you know, that that stuff has to sort it out. You have to think. Yeah, I mean, how else could you really explain this, right? I mean, they look, like you said, they look so disjointed. They look so, like, they look like they've never played with each other, even though most of this team played, you know, got to, made a run to the finals last season and played, you know, the entire regular season together. Like, it's, it's the only way to explain it is the in and out, the constant, different starting lineup, different rotation is taking a toll on guys, and, and we're seeing it translate to the court. I mean, there were, there's been stretches this season already where Tyler Hero was the lead scorer, where he's getting 30 yeah. points a game because, Jimmy's out and, you know, maybe Bam's out, you know, that, that stretch when Bam missed two games too because of protocols. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bam scores 40-plus points against Brooklyn because Tyler and Jimmy are out. Like, it's yeah. just – they're so guys have had to play so many different roles already in the first 21 games that um, I, I do think it's it's kind of created some issues um, this season. All right, before we get to Ava Wallace to talk about Bradley Beal um, – it feels like there's going to be, you know, obviously we got a little out of the trade deadline, so nothing's inevitable, but it feels like the team needs to make something happen. Obviously, I'm sure they would love to make the splashy Bradley Beal move, um, but it seems more likely, you know, they, they, they're looking for that other big man, right, power forward or, or center to, to play next to Bam, because uh, as you mentioned, you know, Kelly Olenek is, you know, he's not supposed to be a starter, right? Like, that that's, that wasn't the plan coming into the year. Um, is there a move that you kind of have your eye on, or maybe not a specific player, but just, like, we know that Pat and, and Andy Ellsberg are wheeling and dealing behind the scenes right now. Like, if you're them, what, if you're guessing what they're doing, what, what do you think is going on that they're they're targeting right now? I'm speaking for myself here, but the one name that comes to mind that I think would be a really good fit um, for this team, and that makes sense salary cap wise and his contract wise, um, and it would help is uh, PJ Tucker. Yeah, I've seen that name kind of thrown out there a little bit. I, I like that fit a lot. Yeah, just because he, he's he gives, not PJ Tucker, right? But and he gives you a lot of kind of you know he's not Jay Crowder. You know, I, I'm not saying he's going to come in and shoot 45 percent on threes. I'm even not Jay Crowder. That's, right. That's, that's, we have to remember that the the Jay Crowder we saw here in Miami last year is like some mythical creature. <laughs> Right. Um, so, but PJ Tucker on defense can give you a lot of what Jay did. You know, he can guard up, he could switch on the perimeter guys. He's tough. He can rebound. Um, he could hit a three if he's open. Um, it just makes sense. He's on the last season of his contract. Um, you know, Houston. It looks like they're kind of rebuilding. You know, obviously. So, um, I, I think that that would make a ton of sense. Now, what would it take to get him? You know, I don't know. I don't think I would go, but. Not that he could really could give up a pick, but I don't think I would give up a pick to get a guy for half a season. But um, you know, if you can give expiring salary um, or, or, or something like that to get him, I, I probably would, yeah, you know, even, even second round picks that he don't have many to trade at this point. Yeah, I guess that's true too. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, there's always a way to get a deal done. I just think if there's a way, you know, where Houston is open to to making that deal, I, I would definitely take a hard look at it because. Um, 
well, it's not Bradley Beal. I think he would help um, on especially on the defensive end, but also offensively playing those small small lineups, you know, around Bam that that Spo likes to play. Um, he he would kind of be that missing piece where you could put him at that four spot and and he'd be able to play both ends of the court. Maybe uh, next week if things are still dire, we'll we'll do some uh, trade machine work and talk about that. Uh, but for now, um, let's get to our interview with uh, Ava Wallace, who talks with us about Bradley Beal and uh, the potential trades the the Heat could make to get him. All right, uh, we are joined now by Ava Wallace from the Washington Post. Uh, Ava, how's it going? Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a weird, weird feeling that waking up the day after a win. Yeah, it hasn't happened a lot for uh, for the Wizards this year. It has not happened a lot for the Heat either. Uh, we we kind of scheduled this before last night's game. We we're going to bring you on to talk about um, Bradley Beal and the possibility he could wind up with the Wizards. But uh, are there some Heat players that the Wizards might be interested in? Because uh, might not be time for for uh, Miami to be buying right now. Yeah, listen, they'll take anybody who can play any type of defense. <laughs> uh, they need a lot more sequences like the one they had down the stretch last night. So uh, they're not giving away Beal anytime soon. The team isn't making him available. Um, Beal hasn't asked for a trade. Um, as far as I know, pretty much everybody I've been talking to in the past two weeks has just reiterated that he is definitely still dedicated to the team, wants to see his commitment through, but... Um, yeah, it's definitely kind of the talk of the ta- of literally every town. I feel like every yeah. single team is Bradley Beal. <laughs> yeah, let's start there. Um, it kind of shocks me, and I think shocks a lot of people, just how adamant, um, you know, not just you reporting this, but it seems like, you know, national writers, like just everyone is on the same consensus that, that Bradley Beal's camp is all in on staying in D.C., which, you know, not – Basically, any other superstar who was in this situation, I don't think those stories would be uh, coming out. Um, first of all, do you totally believe him? And just what about him do you think has made him so adamant? You know, we, we see, you know, it seems like every night there's a viral Bradley Beal looking frustrated on the bench picture. Uh, but clearly, there's something that that's, makes him want to stay. Do you believe that he wants to stay? And what about him do you think is leads to that where where he's so adamant on trying to see it through in DC if possible. Yeah, his like his meme per game con- it's <laughs> insane. It's insane. And we ask him about it too. We're like you realize right. the camera's always going to be on you and he, you know, he knows. Um yeah, you know, I have no reason not to believe him just because every every single person I've talked to has been so adamant about that and has and has kind of um not really strayed from that pretty much since he since he signed signed the extension and through this summer. Um, you know, and that's exactly the question I asked, like, why is he, you know, not to say, like, why is he doing this to himself then? But Brad's a really interesting guy where he's got such a strong kind of code and, and he believes that there is a right way to play the game. He's, he believes there's a right way to go about kind of shaping your career. Um, and he feels like he's going to be called a hypocrite if he, if he up and jumps ship now, um, he really believes in seeing his commitment through to the team. And he's also just like, kind of like you said, he's not like the most typical tippy top superstar in that he's also pretty chill with not ruffling feathers. He doesn't love change. He doesn't love forcing change. Um, 
he really likes it in D.C. You know, they've clearly made some moves at the beginning of this year in telling him, you're the number one guy now. We're building around you for sure. Um, and, and he wants to see it through. He, he just he feels like it's the right thing for him to do. Uh, it's kind of how he lives his life and how he goes about it. That doesn't mean he's not frustrated. You know, like those faces that he pulls at the end of games are absolutely real. There, there has been a ton of frustrating moments for him already this season. Um, but yeah, so far he's just, he's made it clear that he wants to see this through. Now, if there's a breaking point, I don't think there's a premeditated breaking point where he says like, okay, unless we do this, except for the fact that, you know, he's said this entire time, he just wants to see that the organization is committed to winning. Um, but it's not like he's going to get to a point and then say, if, if we're not here by March or whatever, I'm gone. Um, but right now his mind is, is with the Wizards as, as frustrating and as up, of and, da- up and down of an experience as that has been. How has he uh, handled all that? Like you mentioned, you're asking him every game or, or people are asking him every game about the memes and all that kind of stuff. You know, Heat fans for and NBA fans, you know, all, all these guys check social media these days. And, and it seems to be the talk after, you know, at least once a week, there's some big Bradley Beal trade rumor, trade machine uh, thing that goes viral. How has he kind of handled all this? It's obviously a unique season, so he's, he's not in the arenas. And, you know, if he was at American Airlines Arena there were, and there were uh, 15,000 people there last night, they'd all be, like, cheering for him and try, <laughs> right. try, to, try to lure him. Uh, but how has he, how has he kind of handled this being the – you know, he, he's never – like you mentioned, he's never really been a big star, and now he's kind of become one of the more famous guys in NBA circles, but it's because of – People, everyone wants him on their team rather than necessarily the 30 points a game he's averaging. How, how do you think he's handled that so far? Yeah, he's kind of kept his head down through everything, which, I mean, he'll always say, he'll always say, I, I, you know, block that out, totally have blinders on. But like, you know, we, like you said, we know these guys are always on their phones. It's, it's gotten so persistent that it's hard to ignore. Um, he, he pretty much has always said the only part that really annoys him is that when his like family members text him and they're like, Oh my God, you're moving to Dallas. And he's like, no, that's not enough. <laughs> um, but other than that, you know, he's, he's really just kind of put his head down and like gone and scored 30 points a night, um, which is pretty much all he can do, especially with the wizards resting, uh, resting Russell Westbrook, which is hard to say. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of alone out there on back to back sometimes and, and with things like that. But yeah, he's just ignored it the best he, he, um, can and tried to kind of answer all of our questions after every game with with the same thing you know like I said he's he's not hiding that he's frustrated he's not hiding that he thinks you know there are things that the team needs to be doing better but at the same time he's not really feeding into a ton of the uh the trade rumors at least when we ask him Dave I I think David and I both um expected the Wizards to be more competitive than they've been earlier this season and probably most people around the NBA. Um, besides the principle of just Bradley, you know, Brad wanting to see this through like he like he said he would, um, what what do you think he sees as far as, poten- you know, winning potential on this team just because it has been such a slow start and defensively they have been so bad? What, what do you think he sees, you know, in that kind of in that area where he sees potential where this team can be, a, you know, a, a consistent winner moving forward? Yeah, that's so okay. That's the money question, Anthony. You absolutely got right to it. 
it's really important to consider kind of the direction of the organization um, and what they're doing with this roster this year. Are they rebuilding? Are they in win-now mode? It's kind of clear they're not in either. So, you know, I always, I always think of, like, the, the two quarterbacks thing in football. Like, if you've got two quarterbacks, do you have a quarterback at all? If you have neither of those two directions and you're a basketball team, are you just kind of floating in the ether? Um, but the potential is there, I think, with – their draft picks for sure. Um, Denny Avdia and Rui Hachimura are definitely, you know, the organization believes in them. They're pretty good picks for Tommy Shepard, the general manager. Um, but the, ten- the potential basically is that Brad's there. The Wizards with him should be able to build something around that star. You know, um, the Russell Westbrook, John Wall trade hasn't quite worked out the way they thought it would. It was, I, th- I do think it was a good trade at the beginning. You know, everybody just was ready for a fresh start. Everybody involved in that trade was ready for a fresh start. Obviously, Westbrook got injured pretty much right away and is only now just getting back to kind of himself. Um, but the potential is that you have a really top-notch superstar. You should be able to get guys uh, around him and, and build from there. And that's what the Wizards said they were going to do heading into this season. Okay, we're we're trading John Wall. You're now the number one. We're starting from here. Um, that was kind of the promise. And then so far, there's just been so much stuff. I mean, you guys know, because uh, <laughs> the Heat kind of got hit with the coronavirus bug after they visited D.C. D.C. got really slammed with that and everything, and that's derailed a lot of plans this year. Um, they've obviously had some other trouble, troubles even before then. But the promise was Brad. You know, the, the organization should be able to build around that. Um, so that's that's the question, I think, to keep in mind and considering all the Bradley Beal trade rumors. Like, is the organization going in the direction that a superstar would like to see? In the hypothetical that he was in the trading block and he did ask for a trade, would you ex- – I mean, I, I'm sure Washington would try to get as much as they – they could, but would you expect the return to be something like what Brooklyn got for, or sorry, for what Houston got for James Harden? Or uh, I know I've, I've also heard some, you know, people say it's some, it's probably going to be somewhere in between. I guess what, what New Orleans got for Drew and, and and Houston got for 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 James. Like, kind of what do you what do you see as far as you know what that would potentially look like if that ever you know comes to be. Yeah, that's the um, the Drew trade is pretty much the the marker that I always go back to. Like when that happened, I think I'm pretty sure on the Wizards beat writer um, group chat we have, we were all like, "Whoa, okay, so okay, this is what we're looking at now." Um, I, I think you would have to be at that point if you're trading again, and this is all hypothetical, like you said, but if you're trading away your superstar, crazy, transcendent score, it's gotta be for your future. So you've got to get a ton, not just guys who can kind of take you forward into the next phase of your organization, but you've got to get a ton of picks and you've got to get a ton of assets and things that you can kind of start building from the ground up with. So yeah, I think the the Drew Holiday trade is kind of more of what I, I look towards in that situation. Do you see, uh, you know, the Heat don't have a lot of picks to offer. Do you see it being kind of a more of a pick heavy trade, just knowing how Tommy Shepard likes to operate? Do you see it being more pick heavy do you think they definitely want a young star if it comes to pass? Do you kind of have a sense of just what the organization would value as as they move into a potential rebuild? Yeah, Tommy Shepard definitely values picks. He he, the draft he'll say it till he's blue in the face. The draft is the most surefire way to rebuild your organization. So I think that's what it would have to be in a situation like this, just because at that point, like I said, you you're 
you know, absolutely starting over. Um, you know, Scott Brooks is on the last year of his contract as well. So you've got to think about from, from that point of view, what are you giving a new coach? What are you going to get with someone who's working with the front office? So, yeah, I, I think it would definitely have to be a, a pick-heavy situation. All right, Abe, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, <laughs> um, what 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 would your message be to all the Heat fans in my uh, Twitter and in my Twitter mentions asking for Bradley Beal at this point with the Heat starting uh, seven and fourteen this season? Uh, don't hold your breath. <laughs> Which like would not be great for my mentions either. So <laughs> you know the thing about Brad is it would be a good fit. Like it would be a great fit culturally. He, who wouldn't? I mean, but who wouldn't you say that for? Well, I guess James Harden. But, um, yeah, he would love to play. That's where Anthony and I have been. We've been we, we were all in on Beal over Harden, and uh, Heat fans are not happy that there's no James Harden in Miami right now. There, there's no James Harden and no Bradley Beal. They're like, yeah, yeah thanks, guys. Um, it would be a good fit. I don't know if the pieces work so well, like the other parts of the trade. I think another team might have to be involved or anything like that. You know, you look at the like kind of most commonly – Cited teams like your Phillies, your Denver's, maybe New Orleans, those places kind of make more sense to me. Um, but when, what was it when last night when Brad and, and Jimmy are running down the court, like fighting for the ball together, I was like, oh my God, this clip's going to be played over and over and over again with people like, put them together. But <laughs> yeah, I would say don't hold your breath. But don't send them my way, please. I don't want that. <laughs> Can yeah, you please say your Twitter handle, Ava, please? No. <laughs> yeah, I think the way Anthony and I have felt as we've talked about this was maybe the trade deadline comes and they do it, but it always felt like, you know, especially after they went and got Russell Westbrook, gave Davis Bertans a big contract, like they were going to try to figure it, try to make it work for a year. Um, I think we've kind of been looking toward the summer as a yeah, time when something might happen. You have to think if they didn't the trigger at the beginning of the season yeah. they're, they're in it now yeah yeah all right uh, I want to finish you with a, a different topic uh, Russell Westbrook was dressed like a fisherman last night I loved uh, it what what has it been like to cover Russ I, I you know, when Jimmy <laughs> Butler came to Miami I think Anthony and I were a little nervous because you know he comes with a reputation um, but he's kind of been pretty fun to cover what's it like been like to cover Russ so far exact same thing like I was buried I mean we have a former Oklahoma City reporter um, who now works for the Wizards, too. So he was, like, telling us what to expect and everything. And Russ has just been – I'm not going to say he's been an open book because he definitely hasn't been that, but he's been really good, um, which we've definitely talked about. We're kind of – it's interesting that he's been so good. Like, maybe when you're injured and you're not playing so well, you don't have as much leeway to kind of do what you want with the media. But um, he's been pretty open with us. He's been pretty uh, – you know, he's still – his thing that like I experienced for the first time was sitting on the zoom and answering questions, but just like staring at his phone the entire time and scrolling. And I'm like, uh, I guess I'll just ask my question then. Um, but no, he's, he's been pretty open. You know, he knows he hasn't been playing well. Um, and the outfits have just been just like, just been such a lift. It's great. I saw the, uh, one of the commercials last night also, cause I'm watching the away games from home with Jimmy and all his outfits. And I'm like, this is just wonderful. This is just a wonderful little lift in the middle of a pretty crummy NBA February. Otherwise. Do you have a favorite, uh, Russ outfit so far this year? Um, I really liked the bright colors he brought to preseason when he like, wasn't playing and we didn't know why at the time and we kept being like are you sure you're just resting him and then it turned out later we found out that he was injured but he would just like show up on the sideline and like 
monochrome Crayola neon yellow, and it was just like, okay, cool. This guy's not playing, but he's going to bring entertainment otherwise. It's good. Good stuff. Our photographers love it. All right, Ava. Uh, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, where can people find find you on Twitter so they can uh, tweet about you about Bradley Beal to the Heat? <laughs> I'm at Ava R. Wallace, but um, please, you know, tweet all the ba- all the bad things. Send that at the at Miami Herald at that, that direction. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Ava. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. And, thanks. Uh, guys. Hopefully, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. <laughs>